0: This podcast is brought to you by Blackbee Ministries International. To find out more, visit blackbee.org.
1: Well, welcome to the Richard Blackbee Leadership Podcast. My name is Sam and I'm your host. And joining me at the table today is Dr. Richard Blackaby. Well, it's good to see you again, Sam. It's good to see you, Richard. Uh, you'll have to pardon my voice. I'm I've yeah. been a bit under the weather. I'm sure it's nothing to do with two small flying, kids. Two kids and flying back and forth across oh, the yeah, Atlantic. From That's... Portugal, Spain. Yeah, Portugal and Spain. We were there for a week and uh, with came, two preschoolers. Yeah, that sounds like a, a good time. a one-year-old and a four-year-old. <laughs> it was. We had a, we had a great time, but you know that uh, all that travel can kind of catch up to you. Uh, I know how that it, works. It certainly has this week. So wow. again, for all those listening, ap- apologies. I'll try and make my uh, interjections brief uh, <laughs> at this podcast today. I'll try
0: to. I'll, I'll cover for you this week. So well, I, I really appreciate
1: that, that Richard. I, I thought that. Maybe this week you could do the bulk of the talking. And I'll just I'll just I'm listen here attentively. You, <laughs> and admiringly, yeah. Yeah, well I I appreciate that. So with that being said, uh Richard, uh you're you've got your Bible open here yeah. and we're gonna dive in. One of us needs to read it. Well, yeah. Well I th- I thought I thought yeah. it'd be best if you did. Uh if uh we're gonna dive into the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. It's a, well- known prayer it is and we've most of us
0: in church have grown up uh, hearing it reciting it and um, but you know I when when Jesus says here's something I'm going to give you a a model uh something that you need to do ought to do every day that's worth really leaning into a little bit and as you know there's a lot of times that we are familiar with something in the Bible but you can always lean in closer and take a, a closer look, and so. Well,
1: I think often that familiarity, um, I think, causes us to miss. Yeah. To miss things yeah. about it, and especially if you've memorized it and you just recite it uh, by rote memory, then
0: uh, it you, it just kind of flows off your tongue, but you stop. Your brain disengages. You don't need yeah. to actually think about it. You just remember what comes next, and and so I, you know, I I think it's great to memorize stuff. Um, but uh, you want to be careful that once you memorize it you you don't just assume you know it because you can recite it you, you can recite lots of things you really don't understand so and so i i want to look just in matthew chapter six and uh interestingly verse five uh, jesus kind of gets into prayer and he starts off by saying whenever you pray you must not be like the hypocrites and i think that's interesting that because Jesus typically is a pretty positive person, and, mm-hmm. um, and so he'll often just tell you a, a you know, truth that's good to do. But it, it's a little interesting to me that when he talks about prayer, he begins negatively mm. and says, okay, we're going to talk about prayer. Here's, here's what you should not do. <laughs> mm. Kind of interesting. And, and, and I think the only reason he would have done that is if he knew full well that these people had been bombarded, had been immersed in bad praying and you might say well isn't any prayer better than no prayer uh i mean i might i might not really give a lot of thought to my prayer life but a little you know whatever i do is probably better than nothing and yet um jesus actually said there's some ways i don't want you to pray don't mm. do that um and and so obviously bad praying is uh he'd rather you, maybe you didn't pray than than you did it poorly or or incorrectly and um, and so I think it perhaps ought to just catch our attention right off the bat to say, not just any praying will do. Not just any praying is acceptable to God. And so he says, you know, don't do, be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. So I think if you were to kind of summarize their problem, it is they're praying to the wrong audience. They've got the wrong audience in mind when they pray. Um, they're not really praying, thinking, "What's God going to think about what I'm saying?" They're they're more concerned, "What will people think about what I'm saying?" And Sam, you and I both know that there's times when we hear public praying in churches and, and other places, where you can kind of wonder, oh, "Who exactly are they talking to right now?" Because I I don't think that they're actually talking to God. What? Yeah. I don't think God needs to know that there's that there's a potluck right after
1: the service today. <laughs> Or, uh, or yeah, or the the classic uh, at the end of the sermon, you sort of finish off your sermon yeah with, with yeah. In, within
0: your prayer yeah, and you're kind of exhorting the people. Now, I think a public prayer should involve uh, the people listening. Uh, you know, you can pray on their behalf. You can pray uh, for God to do things in to, in the lives of those who are listening. And that can be very powerful. But um, but a lot of times when someone's praying when I you know if I ever had the nerve I think I, <laughs> I might say hey just you're I thought this was we were talking to God do I need to keep my eyes closed while you're talking to me it, uh, and so I think there are times where I, I think it's maybe a good question just to ask so who am I actually talking to right now yeah uh, because when you pray a prayer you might be maybe you're going to start your leadership team meeting off with prayer your staff meeting that's great. Uh, you're gonna close the meeting in prayer. Good, and and you should pray with the people in mind as far as praying for God to do things in their life and thanking God for things. But uh, but I think Jesus just heard a lot of praying where they really weren't talking to God at all. Yeah. Uh, and he just says, "Don't do that." He says, "Truly, I tell you, they have their reward." Uh, and 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 it's interesting in this section how how much he talks about reward. Yeah. And what he's saying is, there is a reward for praying. Uh, there, in in the sense of reward, that there's something that you'll get in return. Um, but he says, if all you really care about is impressing people, that that's it. That's what you're going to get. You weren't talking to God, so God's not going to give you anything. Uh, you were focusing on people, so you're going to get what people can give you. Yeah. Um, and, well, and
1: I think the sad thing is. I think that's what a lot of people want, like, and then they become satisfied with yeah. the reward of having people think they pray really well or yeah. whatever it is. And you wonder,
0: like, why would you care? What? Why would you care uh, to impress people with your prayers, unless you just want to give the appearance of spirituality, of being mature as a Christian or something? But, um, but Jesus is saying, what a, what a. Shallow kind of reward that would be. Yeah. Uh, and the fact, if you want to appear to be mature, it means you're not mature. It means it, it, you, you invalidate the very thing you want. Uh, and so it says, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. So the hypocrites are probably God's people uh, that are they're phonies. And then he says, and then there's Gentiles that aren't even necessarily Christian. Uh, and, and they just think if you just say a lot of words that it just sounds really impressive. And, and again, you, I, I know we're not encouraging our listeners to critique people that pray all the time, but yeah. um, but I think sometimes people feel a little bit insecure about their prayer life because they can't say a lot of eloquent things. And, and some prayers, uh, the first five minutes are basically wasted words. They're just a bunch of eloquence that don't really mean anything. And Jesus was saying, you don't you don't need all that stuff. You don't need all the flowery language, uh all the, you know words that don't really mean a whole lot. They sound impressive, but they don't you're not really saying anything. Jesus would just kinda say, get skip through all the redundancies and all the flowery language and cut through all that and talk from the heart. And so he he lays out a bunch of that, uh and, and he says, Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him and that's interesting right before he gives the, the the model prayer he says, and just remember before you ever pray God knows what you need already so so if that's the case, then how does that affect how you pray? because you don't need to pray to inform God of anything uh, he already knows Jesus says so so that must mean that when you're praying you're praying for some other reason it's it's not to fill God in on what he doesn't know. so it must be for another reason and, you know, I, and of course, there's lots of things that God can accomplish in prayer, but uh, but certainly, I think it's to facilitate a relationship. He He wants you to spend time communing with Him. But uh, so focus on Him, not on other people, and don't worry about just making sure that you filled Him in on all the details. Uh, more, share your heart with Him, and and perhaps even more, listen to what's on His heart. So then you get to uh, verse nine, and and that's where the it's called the Lord's Prayer. Probably a better word would be the model prayer. Uh, John 17, There's, I think you really ought to be called the Lord's Prayer because there he's praying from his heart to his father yeah. right before he goes to the cross. And that's heavy duty, uh, magnificent praying. But it's the son of God praying to the father, father God. And, uh, but here, it's, you really would say this is really more of a model prayer. Uh, And so he he starts off and he says, therefore, in other words, okay, so I've told you what not to do. And and so therefore, because God knows what you need already, um, you should pray like this. And that word like is important. He doesn't say you should pray this, uh, because I know people that every time I hear them pray in public, they recite this prayer. I mean, they, they recite it verbatim. And then they may go on and say other things after that but 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 i know there's certain traditions where you pray this prayer in a service every every week that's just every week this is what prayer is and i know people in some traditions if you just said would you just close us in prayer they'll just start reciting this prayer because they they really feel like jesus meant pray this every day but but there's that word like this which means this is just a model it's just uh, yeah. a framework. It doesn't mean that he tells you you have to pray these exact words every time. Right. And, uh, and, but, I, but I think what he's trying to put in here is he's trying to say, here's the, most, here's the important parts, the things you need to cover in some way. Uh, but don't get bogged down in, I've got to recite this exact prayer. So it starts off and he says, our Father in heaven, or in King James, be our Father who art in heaven. Um, and there's lots of things just even in that first phrase. W- number one, the very fact that he tells you just to just bow your head, start talking to God, uh, is actually extraordinary that you can think that you could be anywhere in the world, maybe down in your basement office, maybe in your car driving to work, uh, and you begin talking focusing on God, and the God of the universe hears what you're saying. That it, the, the mere almost presumption that, that you, a creature of dust, can just begin thinking thoughts or saying words out loud, and the God who is overseeing seven, eight billion people on the planet is instantly aware of what you're saying. I mean, just that alone you you need to just meditate upon that the the profundity of that reality, but also it starts off and he says our our father. Now you'd think that when he's teaching someone a model prayer, you'd say my father, because uh, yeah. I'm the one praying. Um, but what's interesting is throughout this whole model prayer, it's all in the plural. It's all f- forgive us our debts, uh, our father, uh, and and I think in part what what. Uh, jesus was trying to say is i know that you have a tendency to be self-centered self-absorbed that that, that all you're praying your, all of your thinking is about you uh but when you talk to god have others in mind uh as you pray pray in the context you know sam you you obviously need to have a prayer life with god but every time you talk to god you also have a wife you got two daughters you've got parents you've got friends you've got colleagues um and you take all of those relationships, all those concerns with you every time you pray. So just keep all those in front of you. And don't let prayer become a very self-absorbed, me, 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 me sort of uh, mm-hmm. prayer request. And when he says, Our Father, of course, I think it's important, especially when you study this prayer, that to realize that when he, Jesus was speaking, he's probably speaking in Aramaic. Uh, he's, not, he's not speaking in Greek uh, now, the, 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 the Gospel of Matthew was written in Greek, um, and so it uses Greek words. But I think scholars have said, but when he was saying this, when he was teaching this to his disciples, he's speaking Aramaic. And the Aramaic word would have been Abba, which would be the word for father in Aramaic. And uh, and most people say that that would have been one of the very—that's like daddy. That's one of the very first words that children would learn to say, Um it's interesting how often kids say Dad" before they say Mama, but, uh, but Abba would have been that word that they would have learned to say early on. And what's interesting about that is that in the Old Testament, G- uh, Jewish people did not call God Father. They did, they did not pray our Father uh, because it was considered far too presumptuous. Uh, for you to consider God as your father. They That's way too familiar. Yeah, they they would yeah. say uh that God is uh far away. He's he's above you. He's far greater than you. Uh and there's a I think there's about a dozen places in the Old Testament where God is described as a father. You know, he's he's a father to his people or something. But but you would not speak directly to God and call him father. That would have been you were there was such reverence that um, you, you didn't even really want to use God's name uh, because you didn't want in any way to to act irreverently, and so for Jesus, the Son of God, to tell us, yeah, when you talk to God, use a very personal, loving, intimate word that 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 only a child would would really use for, uh, toward a parent that they loved, and uh, for God just to introduce it that way is amazing and. You know in the old testament oftentimes when god was addressed he'd be described as the god of abraham isaac and jacob but here jesus says well you know he is all those things but he's also your father he's not just the father of billy graham or henry blackaby or abraham or david uh he's your father too and so pray that way and so uh, it says our Father, and then it says in heaven. And, and you have to be careful with that because you, we tend to think that in heaven means he's far away, that he's way off in the heaven somewhere. So we're, we're having to pray to a God who's listening in from far, far away. But, but heaven is actually, it, it really, it's the spirit world. You know, we, we tend to think, well, if you, if you get in a spaceship and you go right to the end of the universe, and then heaven is after that. Um, but heaven is just the spirit world, and the spirit world, of course, is among us. It's it's we're right here. It's just we just don't see we don't see the spirit world, but it's not far away. Uh, w- there is a spirit world that we inhabit. We just we're in the physical side of things, but the spirit world is not a great distance away. It's just a different dimension, and so heaven is among us. Essentially, it's just that we don't see it, and so. I think uh, part of what, what Jesus is trying to say is uh, he is a father, but he's a, a heavenly kind of father, a spiritual father. And, and of course, that's one of the reasons why uh, the Jewish people didn't really want to use a metaphor for God, like calling him father, because some people had kind of jerks for fathers or unknown fathers or distant fathers, fathers who disappointed them, and and so... Uh, to call God something like that, you immediately thought about your own experience of fatherhood, and 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 so if you had a bad father, you 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 didn't want to think less of God. Hmm. Uh, but again, it says, but remember, this is a father in heaven. He's not an earthly father. He hmm. he doesn't have sin. He doesn't he doesn't disappoint. He's always faithful. So uh, don't. My dad would always say, don't lower. Uh, what God, what the Bible says about God down to the level of your experience of what, a, what the fathers you've known. Um, understand that he's a father in heaven, which means he's, he's perfect. Uh, he's always reliable. He's totally loving. He's totally holy. And so it says that's... So, so first of all, really focus in as you pray on who it is you're talking to. And, you know, sometimes I find myself um, maybe you're, you're taking a moment to pray, but you, you're in the midst of a busy day. There's a lot going on. And so you, you kind of just start praying. And I, there's times I've had to stop myself and just almost remind myself, now remember who it is I'm talking to. This is my yeah. father in heaven. Uh, this is not just a colleague. This is not a, a staff member that just, I just need to hurriedly give some instructions to this is, uh, this is my father in heaven. And so 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 lay that out, and then the very first request is, uh, "Hallowed be your name," or "Your name be honored as holy." Uh, Hallowed just means holy, and it's saying, "I, I God, I, I want your name to be holy or considered holy." And of course, there's there's nothing you can do to make God holy. You can't you can't pray and make Him holy. You can't encourage Him, God. Really encourage you to just be as holy as you can be. There's, It's sort of like, well, what, what, is, what am I praying? I mean, he can't be any more holy than he already is. So uh, why would I pray when he's already perfectly holy, why would I pray that he be more holy? Uh, it seems like a waste of breath. But I think what it's saying is the, the one area that he can be more holy in that I have any say over is in my own life. So I think what it's saying is God... Would you demonstrate your holiness in my life? Now you can pray, may you be holy in Washington D.C. or in the Middle East, but uh, and that you can, that's fine to pray that. But what you as you pray daily, what you can pray is God demonstrate your holiness in me, in my life. And of course, w- when I think of that, I think of well, so how how did He do that in the Bible? And you think of someone like uh, Isaiah who came to worship God. And he might've been saying something like, hallowed be your name, God. And then God sort of says, well, let me show you how holy I am. And when when Isaiah begins to see the holiness of God, it exposes, he doesn't become any more holy. He just reveals to Isaiah how holy he mm. is. Yeah. And the next thing you know, Isaiah is saying, woe is me, I'm undone. and And because God's holiness reveals how unholy Isaiah is and how unholy his mouth is and and immediately he comes to church thinking, oh, I'm going to worship God and worship his holiness and then all of a sudden God demonstrates his holiness to Isaiah and it totally undoes Isaiah and he's got to get right and, and God cleanses him and, and addresses his sin and makes him holy. So think about uh, what God did with Isaiah and then think every time you say, God, hallowed be your name. May may you demonstrate your holiness, God, in my life. Think about what you're asking God to do before you, and, and and Jesus says you ought to pray that every day. So God, every day, would you demonstrate your holiness in my life, which means would you expose my sin? Would you bring me face to face with the awesomeness of who you are? And then let me feel the full weight and impact of that. That's a pretty heavy prayer. And to be praying that every day and then uh, waiting for God to do that. And It says, then, may your kingdom come. And, of course, uh, all through the the Gospels, uh, John the Baptist, Jesus, Paul, uh, later, they're all praying about the kingdom of God. It's interesting. He doesn't say, may your church come. And, I mean, he... Christ loves the church, but he he prays for the kingdom, which is the rule of God, and the rule of God, of course, encompasses every church. It encompasses every Christian, every non non-pro- Christian nonprofit. It, it anywhere on the planet where God's rule is being exercised, uh, that's His kingdom. And of course, there are strongholds. There there are strongholds that are holding out against the kingdom, that are resisting His rule. There are, areas of darkness that resist the light and so he is saying every day god may your kingdom be spread into areas that it's it's not fully in control of right now uh, where satan's forces are resisting and of course that can also mean god in my own life uh any any area where there's a hold out in my life where you you don't have complete rule complete authority at this point uh every day, God, I want to see your kingdom expand. And so as I go to work, uh, if I see a colleague that doesn't yet follow you as their Lord, uh, then Lord, I want to pray that your rule would be expanded to that person's life. And if there's uh, places maybe in my community where Satan has a stronghold, God, I'm going to pray every day that you'd bring down that stronghold. And that, and it's I love that when maybe there was a bar or a strip club or something and and it goes bankrupt, uh, and a church buys it. And now the church meets there. And you'd say, well, God's kingdom came there. It used to be a stronghold for evil, and now it's a, it's a lighthouse for good. Uh, and so every day, is your, it, when you pray that, God, I want your kingdom to, to expand. And then you go out into your day with your spiritual eyes open, watching for places where God's kingdom is not yet fully in operation. And then it says, uh, may your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven, uh, and again, when you're praying this, the the person that you have most control over in that regard is going to be you. So, uh, and when you think about well, so how is God's rule? How is God's will done in heaven? Well, there's not a lot of debates. There's not a secret ballot. Should we or should we not do God's will? Uh, uh, when when God expresses His will, it's done instantly. It's done joyfully, wholeheartedly. God says, I'm looking for a volunteer to, to, to go do this. And every angelic hand is immediately raised and says, I'll go, I'll go. Uh, and so God says, so the same way that my will is done in heaven, that's how I want it done on earth. That's how I want it done in, my, in, in the church you go to, in your family, in, in you. Uh, I want you to be just as zealous uh, and wholeheartedly committed to doing my will as it's done in heaven. And that's hard to now if you really mean that if you understand what he's saying and then every day you say god may i do your will as wholeheartedly as the angels in heaven do well that's then that's going to expose you if that's not how you're doing his will now yeah um and so uh to to begin your day uh don't pray that prayer and then in your next breath Tell your friend you've been really resting with god about something he wants you to do uh you, you can't pray this prayer and then wrestle with god about his will you're you've just prayed god i want to do it as as zealously as gabriel does in heaven um, and it says give us today our daily bread and that word daily in front of bread is actually a very unusual word it's 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 Almost never used. I think this is the only place in the Bible it's used, mm. and it's one of the only places in the Greek language that it's used. It's a very, very obscure, unique word, and and so it's been translated daily. Give us a, um, now that can me, that can mean give us today's bread, uh, give us enough bread to eat today so that we don't starve to death. Uh, it could mean give us tomorrow's bread. It might assume that you've you've got your meal today but tomorrow is uncertain and saying god i'm i'm placing tomorrow into your hands and of course bread was the basic staple of uh families at that time poor families and and if you had a loaf of bread you you had things covered you you could supplement that but but that loaf of bread is what you've kind of built your meal around and so maybe he's praying god give us the bread for tomorrow uh but uh but but also some feel like maybe what it's saying is basically not not so much daily but give us sufficient bread give us enough bread that we can eat not not too much but not too little just just enough like goldilocks just just right uh and then some have even said well uh but i can't really imagine just praying to god just give me just enough and no more uh, because God has a way of giving us exceedingly abundantly more than we ask for. And so maybe maybe just what it means is uh, that you. it's more a statement of faith to say, God, just uh, I, I just trust all of my bread needs to you in the future, and I just know you're going to cover it. And so I'm just not going to worry about it. I'm not going to stress about it. And I think there is maybe some of all of that in there to say your, your fundamental needs, those things that— if you don't have any bread to eat the next day, you're going to be uh, up at night concerned about that. But if you just take all those concerns and you, whatever it is you're, you're concerned about, and you place them in God's hands and say, God, I'm just putting my tomorrow in Your hands. Uh, I, I'm not going to spend all night worrying and fretting about tomorrow. I'm just I'm, I'm putting those concerns in Your hands. And and then it says in, in verse 12, and forgive us our debts, uh, as we forgive. As we have also have forgiven our debtors, and um, and that um, I, I, you know it, it's interesting if you if you read Luke in the same uh, model prayer, there Luke says, "Forgive us our sins," uh, and here it is, "Forgive us our debts." And so you might say, "Well, w- w- you know, how, why do the two gospel writers use different words there?" But but interestingly, the Aramaic language the same word that means debt also can mean sin. Hmm. And so when 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 Matthew and Luke are taking this Aramaic word they're having to to, to translate it into Greek. Well, Greek has a, a word for each one. Uh, Greek was a more sophisticated language. It had it, it, you could be more precise with it. So when they're coming to this word, they've got to decide what Jesus meant because the word he used can mean debt or it can mean sin, either one. It's, it's both an accurate translation. Um, he just he used an Aramaic word. And so, of course, and then, so these guys write it in Greek, and now our Bibles are translated into English. And so, we're, you know, we're a couple languages removed from what Jesus actually said. Um, but, but I think you can apply it either way. You know, a debt is something that you owe. You, you haven't done it yet. And so it could be a sin of omission. God, uh, forgive me for what I haven't done yet, what I still owe you. Maybe, God, I promised, I committed, I pledged to do something, I haven't done it yet, so forgive me the debts I have toward you. Or it could be a sin, it's something you have done that you did wrong, and now you're asking God to forgive you. But interestingly, Jesus said, I want you to tie it to how you've treated others. How you've treated people who owe you things or they've sinned against you, uh, and say, God and that's an interesting prayer. I I don't know how I, I tell you what, you want if you want to be kept honest, uh, then have, you know, turn to, to pray to God and say, God, uh, don't forgive me any any more generously than the level I've forgiven others. Mm-hmm. Uh now if you're praying that. Uh, You can see how there'll be times where you might want to stop and say, God, let me get back to you on that. (laughs) I think I need to make a phone call. I need to go call a friend that I'm estranged with right now and do some forgiving because I don't want you to forgive me the way I've not forgiven someone in my life. Uh, And of course, it's an interesting way because God is a God of grace. um, And yet God says, but when you're praying, I want you to put your forgiveness on the table of others and be reminded that uh, you it's not right for you to ask me to do more for you than you're willing to do for others. Uh, you you want to be stingy toward others, but you want me to be generous toward you. And so again, you can kind of see how if if you if you kind of go down each of these paths that Jesus is laying out for his disciples, then uh, you realize okay, I yeah now he's he's meddling here, and there's actually a whole lot more. Uh, uh, to what I'm praying, and if I were to be serious about each of these requests, uh, I'll tell you what it would cover a lot of major areas of my life. And and lastly, I'll just mention this, and we may just take uh, a whole another podcast just to unpack this this phrase. Uh, if fact, I maybe mean, we should, Sam. Maybe we'll just stop. Well, next time we'll just yeah, talk I was about say, verse 13. I, I
1: had a suspicion that this may we, be a, a 2 part. Kind
0: of we, we didn't get quite as far as we thought we would, but um, maybe we'll, I think verse 13, uh, it qualifies just for its own podcast. Well, that's
1: uh, that's plenty for us to chew on right now. Yeah. And I uh, appreciate you taking us through this, Richard. And stay tuned for <laughs> part two.